Hello and welcome to the Bright Morning Podcast. I'm Elena Aguilar. Hey friends, so in the next few episodes, I am going to be speaking to team leaders, to coaches, administrators, anyone who leads teams with some specific tips for you based on questions that we regularly receive in our workshops about leading teams. And each week, I'm going to give you a super high leverage tip to use to build a more highly effective team. I'll explain why it's so useful. And then I'm going to give you a challenge to try out during the week. You'll also get a resource that goes along with the episode. So be sure to check out the show notes for that link. Before I get into this week's episode, which is going to be about how to cultivate emotional intelligence in your team, before we get into that, I want to extend a huge thank you to our listener with the username MMW Brown, who went over to Apple Podcasts and left us a review. And this is what the review says it says, Mini episodes equal morning motivation. I love this podcast. I listen to the mini episodes in the morning on my way to work or driving between schools that I serve. It's the perfect morning routine to help center myself in the work, get inspired, and get great tips that elevate my coaching conversations with the new and early career teachers that I coach. Elena's work has been a huge help to me. I read the books, work through the workbooks, etc. And now the podcast is such a great addition to continuing the thinking, learning, and growing as a coach. Thank you so much. Well, MMW Brown, thank you so much for taking the time to write that beautiful review. And thank you all in advance for going over to Apple Podcasts, if you haven't yet, to rate and review the podcast because leaving a review really helps us to get the podcast out there and it's free and it's super easy. It'll just take you a moment to do and I'll be so grateful. All right, let's get into this episode on how to cultivate emotional intelligence in your team. So in our Art of Coaching Teams workshops, we explore how you can build your team's emotional intelligence, because that is something you can do. It's a set of skills that you can acquire, and it's a really essential set of skills that help you create a team that gets good work done. So much of what leaders say they struggle with in teams is related to the team's emotional intelligence, or sometimes lack of. And that's about things like how we deal with conflict, how we get buy-in and engagement, how we deal with resistance. All of that is about dealing with emotions. So leaders can cultivate a team's emotional intelligence in many ways. And I also write about this in my book, The Art of Coaching Teams. But something that is really, really important to understand is that the first step to building your team's emotional intelligence is to build your own emotional intelligence. Okay, so that's the tip for the week. If you want to build your team's emotional intelligence, start with yourself. 
and start with getting to know your emotional landscape. Start with identifying the emotions you experience. So I'm going to go into some detail about how you can do this, and I'll give you a challenge for the week. But before I do that, I want to back up and give you some information. This information that I'm going to share was really helpful to me to understand as I started exploring emotions. And I want you to know also that if this stuff is all new to you, all the stuff about emotions, you are in good company because most of us did not learn much about emotions as children or maybe even as adults. To be honest with you, I didn't really start learning about emotions until I was in my 40s. I am now still actively involved in learning about emotions in a different way. I started learning about them in theory, in practice, in other people, and now I'm learning about them in myself. So it's okay if you're just starting. What is an emotion? Psychologists explain that an emotion is what happens in our bodies in response to some kind of stimuli. So we experience something that could be an event a thing that happens, or it could be a thought that we have. That thought could also be a memory. Something happens and it triggers a response in our bodies. So if the external stimuli makes us feel threatened, our bodies might flood with cortisol. If someone does something like gives us a hug, or if we remember a friend or a loved one giving us a hug, then our bodies might be flooded with oxytocin. And in those moments, we might recognize what we're feeling and we might be able to call that fear or love or anger or shame, or we might not have a name for what we're feeling. So I want to back up and slow this down a little bit more and explain one key part of this, which is that after something happens, after there's that external stimuli or the thought or the memory, often what happens is that we interpret that thing that happened. Now we might go through that interpretation consciously or even unconsciously. And that interpretation that we create, that can actually intensify the emotion. So for example, let's say that the thing that happens is that a student rolls her eyes at you. And then the next second, all you know is that you're pissed off, your face is flushed, your breathing is shallow. Later, you might think back to that moment and recognize that the interpretation that you made the story that you told yourself about her rolling her eyes is that that action, that behavior is a sign of disrespect. She rolled her eyes. You thought this student doesn't respect me. And it's that thought that creates the biochemical hormonal response in your body. It pumps the adrenaline and the cortisol and you recognize you're feeling angry. The professionals, the psychologists, and all the people who study emotions, they tell us that the whole experience of what we think about as an emotion 
can actually move through us in about 60 to 90 seconds. Emotions can move through us in 60 to 90 seconds. So that external event can happen or even the thought, and then we can have the physical response. And if we engage in a few different practices, it can leave our system. The thing that we're thinking about as the emotion can leave our system. So what are those practices? How can this happen? There's a number of ways. One can be just noticing the sensation in your body, recognizing or saying to yourself, my jaw is tight, my heart is pounding, my stomach is twisting. Just noticing without judgment, without trying to make it leave can often help it pass. And there's a lot of additional strategies or really mindfulness practices that you can engage in to notice, for example, the intensity of the heart pounding or to describe the color, the sensation. All of that is a way to notice without judgment what is happening as these sensations flood your system. Another common way to allow an emotion to release or to pass through you is through breathing. You've probably heard that before. And there is tons of scientific research on why that helps, how it happens, on different ways to breathe to help emotions release. The key is deep breaths, deep into the belly, deep breaths. Another way is to just accept the presence of the emotion, to recognize it and say to yourself something like, okay, anger is present or I feel angry, I sense the knot in my stomach, I'm just gonna let it be here. And this is kind of harder than it sounds, I think, because the key is to not try to even understand it, to not try to rationalize it, to not try to push it away, don't try to unpack it, just let it be there. And that process often allows for an emotion to be released. So if you are listening to this and you're thinking, wait a minute, when I get pissed off or when I get sad, it lasts for hours or days, that is useful to notice. And what that means is that you're holding on to the emotion and we all do this. You might be repressing it, You might be denying that you're having it. You might be recycling the emotion. You might get kind of stuck in a cognitive loop. So when your mind gets involved with emotions, when it starts trying to, you know, unpack them, understand them, that can lead you into sort of what feels like this endless loop that prevents the emotions from being released. Sometimes you can explore the emotions and they can be released. And sometimes the replaying the thoughts intensifies the emotions and you just go around and around, right? You know what that's like. I know what that's like. So let's come back to this. If an emotion is a sensation that moves through the body, right? It's a set of hormones or biochemicals that flood through you and they only last for 60 to 90 seconds, that's not how many of us experience emotions. If you repress or recycle an emotion, that's when it 
can become a mood. And moods can last for days, or weeks, or years. So when you have a flash of an emotion, you can release it and learn from it. Because again, consciously or unconsciously, you've made some meaning about the event that triggered the emotion. Again, just bear with me while I give you this context, because I think so many of us don't have this understanding of emotions. And before we try to get into recognizing them or doing something about them, we need some basic knowledge. It helps to feel a little bit more kindness towards ourselves when we experience emotions. So this is another piece of information that is really useful to know, which is when you create meanings out of the things that happen. Those meanings that you make are likely very old stories for you. Probably those stories, those meanings have been around for a lot of your life. For the great majority of humans, we have all experienced many things when we were really young that we couldn't understand. At the time when we were little, we didn't have the capacity to deal with those things that were happening. We may not have had people around us who helped us understand what was going on or process and release the emotions. And therefore, as children, sometimes as really little children, we had to make up stories or interpretations to help us get through those times. This is a coping mechanism, perhaps a survival strategy to create stories and meaning. So let me give you an example. Let's say now you are a teacher, you're walking through the hallway, you pass your principal and he does not make eye contact or say good morning to you. And you notice this flash of fear course through your body. You notice that you start walking faster to get to your classroom and you start thinking, why is he mad? Did I do something? Now you can learn to recognize the emotion that you're experiencing in the moment. You can learn to release it maybe by breathing deeply or noticing the sensations in your body. And you can tell yourself you're experiencing fear, or you can just simply accept that that energy of fear is present. And you can also recognize that it might be helpful for you to learn from this experience, to unpack what's going on more deeply, to get to the root cause of what leads you to interpret someone's behavior like that. So you can understand that that emotion showed up to give you information, perhaps about old wounds that you deserve to heal from. That emotion might have showed up to alert you to old stories that you created that you may no longer need. Because here's the thing, someone else might pass your principal in the hallway and notice that he doesn't make eye contact. And they might think, that's unusual. I wonder if he's having a hard morning. I hope everything's okay. So this is not just about the story you tell, because that's useful to recognize. And yeah, you can learn strategies to intervene in your thinking patterns, but there's more going on here. For the person who finds themselves in a fear response, there's something to uncover, to excavate, and again, I want to repeat this, this information might be pointing to old wounds from which you deserve to heal. So I want to be really direct here for a moment and be clear 
I am a really big advocate for therapy. I do think coaching is incredibly powerful, both the kind of coaching we have in schools as well as life coaching, leadership coaching, and so on. And I think that working with a skilled therapist is invaluable. And I know it can feel hard to find a skilled therapist, to find someone you trust, someone who uses a modality that works for you, but it's invaluable. I think everyone can benefit from therapy. It's just a way to deeply explore who you are and your relationships and how you show up in life. So consider that to be a little commercial interruption, perhaps a little nudge to consider therapy if that isn't something you currently do, especially if you are a team leader who is committed to building the emotional intelligence of your team. Guys, you gotta start with knowing yourself. And look, I will tell you from experience, this inquiry into me understanding myself and understanding my emotions so that I can understand how I relate to my team so I can build my team's emotional intelligence is ongoing. It's not something that I think I will ever be able to say I'm done with that. I know myself so well. It's ongoing because I change all the time. I understand more and more. I uncover more and more. Okay, my plug for therapy. Yes, I am also in therapy. It's been invaluable. Let me get back to the challenge for this week. The challenge for this week is to note your emotions each day. You're going to need a notebook or somewhere that you can keep track of your observations. And there are a couple of parts to this. So part one is to collect data. This is how I like to do this. I set a series of alarms on my phone or my watch for random times in the day, maybe six to eight different times when my alarm is going to go off. When it goes off, let's say it's 10, 16 a.m., I ask myself, how am I feeling right now? How do I know what I'm feeling? What are the physical indicators of what I'm feeling? So those are the questions I invite you to ask yourself. Now, when you're trying to identify what you're feeling, look for words on the document called the core emotions. You'll find the link to that in the show notes. That document provides you with a whole lot of feeling words. So for example, you might think I'm feeling tired. But when you look on that document, you're going to see that tired isn't a word to describe an emotion. You might actually have to explore whether you're feeling sad or anxious. In that moment, don't analyze the feeling or ask yourself why you're feeling it. Just note what you're feeling. Write it down somewhere. Okay, so the questions again, how am I feeling right now? You're going to look at the core emotions for words. How do I know what I'm feeling? And that might be recognizing physical indicators or perhaps thoughts are what is most apparent to you. Now, I've got a couple of options for extensions for you at this point in part one. The first extension option is to rate the intensity of the emotion on a scale of one to 10. And so in your notes, maybe you jot down sad level three, 
Two hours later, when the timer goes off, you note SAD level 7. So that's the first optional extension. Option 2 is to go a little bit more into how the experience is showing up in your body. So you might have noticed some of the physical manifestations of the feeling already, but perhaps go a little bit more deeply into what's showing up. So maybe you recognize sad and notice a tightness in your chest or pressure behind your eyes. For some people, it's easier to notice the physical manifestation than it is for others. So that might be something to hone your awareness of, but again, that's an option. Okay, so that's part one, collect data, identify various points in the day when you can ask yourself, how am I feeling? How do I know what I'm feeling? You might do that by setting an alarm Or if you don't want to do that, just stopping at five or six different points and asking yourself those questions. I like to do it through these alarms because then I don't expect it. I forget that I'm doing this. I'm like, oh, how am I feeling right now? Huh? Okay. Part two is the reflection part at the end of the day. At the end of each day, spend a little time looking at the data that you collected about your emotions and see if you can get curious about that data. What do you notice? Are there any patterns? Are there any surprises in the data? And then you can ask yourself, this is a tricky question, but you can ask yourself, what do you think might be contributing to the emotional experiences I'm having? Now, the reason that that's a tricky question is because you have to try to do that without judgment. This is about gentle curiosity, opening up, wondering. So you have to kind of resist the impulse to do something about whatever you see. Like, oh, I'm getting mad so much. I need to do something about this. The key here is to accept what you notice, accept the data that you gather, accept your thoughts or your feelings that come up about your feelings. And if you notice that you start getting particularly judgmental about your emotional experience, and many of us do this, it can be helpful to tell yourself something like, feelings are normal, I'm a human being, human beings have feelings, and if I accept my feelings, I can learn from them. See if you can practice a little bit of kindness towards yourself. Okay, so in this part two when you're starting to look at the data, get curious about what you're noticing, my caution about refraining from judgment doesn't mean that you can't also explore your feelings more deeply or get help to explore them. Because let's say that you track your emotions for five days and you see that you were sad like 90% of the time. You might wanna get support to explore what's going on because that is a lot of sad. I'm just encouraging you to refrain from judging yourself for having whatever feelings you're having. That judgment is not going to help. See if you can feel into gentle, open curiosity. Pay attention to how your body feels when you are looking at the data. Okay, so that's the tip for the week 
for developing emotionally intelligent teams, which is to start with yourself and start by getting to know your emotional terrain. Start by bringing sharper awareness to what you feel, perhaps where you feel it in your body, and perhaps some curiosity about what's going on, some gentle awareness, gentle curiosity. Next week, we are going to explore the things that get under our skins, the things that get us emotionally activated or get us triggered and how we can respond to those. Because that is another powerful way to start with ourselves when we're committed to building emotionally intelligent teams. So friends, do me a favor. If you found this episode useful, would you share it with a friend? An easy, quick thing for you to do. Just share with a friend or a colleague. Okay, folks, so the Bright Morning Podcast is produced by Leslie Bickford and Stacy Goodman does the sound engineering. Take care, everyone. Be well. 